Hi, I'm Kim Dyer. I'm with Keystone Capital Management, and I'm here today to talk about funding your trust. We're hoping that you'll get a few tidbits that you can learn and that you're better for having listened today. So I'm Kim Dyer, and my background I have, I am an enrolled agent uh, with the IRS. I have my MBA. I have a lot of accounting background, and I've been a financial advisor uh, since 2004. Um, so uh, we've seen a lot of people and worked with a lot of people on trust. We've also worked with people uh, when someone passes and help them uh, with changes that are required with their assets after someone passes. So we have a lot of thoughts about or have seen a lot of good and bad over the years. And we want to pass some of that on to you. So I want you to know my, my business partner is Pam Prine, and uh, we, we both are financial advisors. We are not attorneys, and that's what this disclosure lets you know, that we're not attorneys and what we're giving you, we're not giving you legal advice. We're just sharing some ideas with you, and that if you, there's something you like here, then you need to take it back to your advisors and review it with them. Uh, but our agenda today, we're going to talk about what does it mean to fund the trust and what goes into the trust uh, and does the trust really need to be funded? What happens if you don't fund it? Uh, we thought it would be interesting just to share a little tidbit about when is it taxable or how is it taxed, who funds the trust, and how is the fund the trust then funded. So we're going to kind of cover a lot of these issues today, and uh, we feel very passionate about helping people with this. So first, we thought we'd start off with true or false. Funding your trust means putting money into your trust. Um, we've had people say, well, I haven't funded it because I don't have enough money to put in the trust. So true or false? Is that what it means? So the, the answer is false. So funding a trust is transferring the assets that you already have and putting the ownership in the trust. So you're transferring ownership of things that you own, a house, a vehicle, uh, checking accounts, and you're transferring and putting the name on those assets to be owned by the trust. Um, so that's important. It's not necessarily moving a big chunk of money into the trust. It's really taking the assets that you already have and transferring the name. So funding the trust is a process of changing the name on the asset re-registering them to be owned by the trust and then submitting that name change to the banks, uh, to the county that uh, you have filed your home with, that sort of thing. So funding the trust refers to the process of changing the, transferring the name on the asset to uh, your trust name. So you're actually putting 
that those items into the trust. All these things can be considered as being part of the trust. Uh, you can put retirement accounts in the trust. That's not, um, it's not always done. They can be left outside the trust as well because they have beneficiaries on them. The same is true with life insurance. Uh, you can put life insurance in the trust, but they also have beneficiaries. So um, you have vehicles, you have homes, you have uh, investments. They're all things that you already own, but you're putting them inside the trust. And then part of what you would do is talk with your attorney about the impact of putting these things into the trust. So why does the trust need to be funded? Well, you've gone to the attorney, you've created this trust, and it's like uh, having a box. But if you don't put those assets into the trust, um, the trustee or the successor trustee has no authority over it. So the trust documents all, all talk about what authority the trust has, the trustee, excuse me, and the successor trustee have, but only for those things that are in the trust. So it's important to think about when you create a trust, it's like setting up a new box. And in this particular case, we're talking about a revocable living trust. So you have the trust, but if you don't put the things in the trust, the trustee has no authority. So they only have authority over those things that have been placed into that trust box. So this is a busy slide. And, but I think if you'll look at it, it's really saying, here's how a revocable living trust works. You have assets, you have a vehicle, you have a house, you have uh, retirement accounts, you have bank accounts. All you're doing is re-registering them and putting them inside the box so that the trustee has authority over them. Uh, so you, you set up the trust, you have objectives for the trust. It might be um, how, how your assets are distributed upon your death. So you're transferring those assets into the bo box. And in the event of either incapacitation or that you pass away, then the trustee manages those assets and distributes them how you want to. So it's really taking things that you already have and re-registering them and giving direction to your trustee uh, on how they should be handled upon incapacity or death. So here it talks about on the left side, um, these may be the clients that are setting it up. These, uh, the grantor is the same individuals that set it up. The trustees may be the same individual. So we may have a husband and wife. Uh, they are the grantors. They are the trustees until uh, such time as they pass or until such time they become incapacitated 
and then they name a successor trustee. The beneficiary of the trust can be their children, it can be charities, and those things are named inside that trust document. So if the trustee is not able to take care of their own um, transaction, then a successor trustee is named and that successor trustee makes sure that the beneficiaries receive the, receive the assets as you had planned. So again, that trust is a, think of it as a box and you have to put those assets inside the box. And then uh, you either, this, the trustee then, the successor trustee, this would be in this case, either distributes those assets to the beneficiaries, or sometimes they, tr they transfer it to a holding trust for it to be there uh, for the rest of their life or to be there for a special needs child. So there can be lots of reasons why a trust would hold assets um, upon somebody's death. So those are the steps uh, in, an, in working with a trust. So distribution options from a trust uh, include um, an outright distribution. Uh, so upon your death, this is how you want your assets distributed. Uh, it might be to a minor's trust. So if a minor, uh, until they reach the age of 18, uh, wouldn't be able to receive uh, cash or assets or uh, ownership in building those kinds of things. So a guardian is assigned until the point when that minor is reached their age of majority. And even then you can, uh, you can decide how long a guardian will be in place over those assets. So those are some of the discussions that you have with attorneys. If you have minor children, how long uh, will that guardian be in place? And then sometimes we have beneficiaries that we worry about them having access to a lot of money. So we want to dish out the funds over time. So that's called a spendthrift trust. So it's an, a, a personal adult management trust and it allows assets maybe to be distributed for college, plant, college maybe when they buy a house, uh, maybe after they've turn 25 after they've turned 30. So there are lots of ways to give inheritance to your beneficiaries. And then there is also um, a special needs trust where uh, the individual, uh, because they are on certain uh, state programs, that if, if they received all those funds, it would interrupt their benefits. And so there are sometimes uh, supplemental needs or a special needs trust that can be placed. But those are all distribution options of a revocable living trust. And I might add that a revocable living trust means that as long as the grantor is alive, uh, you can change your mind. So you can set this up and if the facts change, 
it's revocable. So that's uh, uh, the difference between an irrevocable uh, versus an irrevocable. An irrevocable, you can't change your mind later. Once you put something in the trust, it has to stay there. One of the things that we thought would be interesting to point out to you that when assets are transferred into an irrevocable trust, they are taxable at that time. Meaning um, if you put uh, investments inside an irrevocable trust and they had some gains or they had interest, that irrevocable trust has its own tax ID and it's taxable. So that trust has to find it, file its own tax return. In regard to a revocable trust, it does not generate a tax ID until an individual has uh, passed. So the taxes on investments, or um, if you bought and sold something, the taxes on that are paid by the grantor or the trustees. So it passes right to them. So when you set up a revocable trust, it's generally associated with the two grantors or even a single grantor to their tax ID. And they receive a, a notice that they've had gains and are required to pay tax, that goes right on their personal tax return. So they file just like they would file uh, regularly uh, using a personal tax return. It isn't until the grantor passes uh, and then uh, it generates and become, it becomes or has its own tax ID. So until that time, it doesn't have a separate ID, it's just the, the grantors. So when is a trust taxable? Uh, the irrevocable trust at the time the asset transfers to the trust. Revocable trust, when is it taxable? It's taxable during the lifetime of the creator. So if you do put an IRA inside the trust um, and you take a distribution, that distribution has to be paid in the year that it was taken. So it is possible for a trust or, or those, um, those gains from those assets have to be taxed at the time they're over the lifetime of the grantor. Uh, who funds the trust? So there are different options. Uh, a lot of times attorneys will fund a trust for you and they'll charge you a fee to do that. Sometimes they'll do part of the funding. So they'll say, we're gonna transfer your real estate into the trust and then here's instructions for the rest of your, uh, to the rest of your um, trust. And uh, you'll have to follow those instructions or go to someone and have them and pay them to help you follow those instructions. There could be a funding company. There's people that just specialize in funding trusts. 
we've seen from $500 to $1,000, maybe more for funding the trust. And what they're doing is they're taking the instructions from the attorney and they're contacting all of the companies that hold your assets and they're re-registering them. And most people do it for free. They do it themselves. And that's a lot of times where the problem comes because they maybe get a couple of the accounts transferred, but they don't get all the accounts transferred. And that's regularly a problem. If you don't transfer it, then the trustee has no authority over those items. Um, a lot of people say, well, can't my power of attorney take care of those things upon my death? A lot of a misconception, but a power of attorney document ends upon your death. So it's no longer valid. So there has to be coordination between your power of attorney and your, your trustees or successor trustees and how that works. If you don't put items inside the trust, then you still have to go through probate for those items that are no longer, or that were not placed in the trust. So a power of attorney again, stops upon your death. The person with a power of attorney only has authority as long as you're alive. So you're giving that person that uh, ability to sign for you, to do transactions for you, but it stops upon your death. How is the trust funded? So if it's real estate or your home, then it's um, filing with that jurisdiction or the county and uh, changing the ownership and filing a document with the county. That, um, that's what's required to get an updated trust and, or excuse me, an updated uh, certificate or ownership of that property. So if they, um, in order to transfer that ownership of real estate, to whoever is the beneficiary is gonna be, you have to have either it put in the trust or the county will require a, um, a state document uh, that show that the person making the change has the authority to do it. And so you don't wanna have to go through those kind of issues upon someone's death. It's much better to make sure that that's been transferred into the trust and then uh, if it has been put in the trust, ownership can be changed. No, it's, um, it doesn't have to go through any probate. So when you change the name at the county clerk's office, there is what's called a quick claim deed. And it looks a lot like this. It's just saying, here's ownership of the, of the property. And if you're gonna change it to the trust, those like it might be a husband and wife that own it, might be an individual that owns it. And if they're gonna transfer it to ownership in the trust, they file a document saying that they're transferring ownership to that trust. And a lot of times here in the state of Arizona, I believe the cost is $30 
to file a new deed on that property. Um, if you have investments, uh, retirement accounts, uh, life insurance, stocks, mutual funds, those kinds of things, then you're changing the name on the ownership. On IRA accounts and Roth IRA accounts and 401k accounts, um, it depends on how your trust has been set up. A lot of times you want those to transfer to an individual. So there, that's one of those areas that needs to be discussed with your attorney. If your trust can hold those retirement accounts, you don't want to get in a situation where uh, those retirement accounts become taxable because they got put in the trust. So in order to have a retirement account, it still has to be owned by an individual and that trust has to have the appropriate language. Uh, life insurance policies can be owned by the trust. Uh, a lot of times it isn't necessary. Maybe you just want to have the beneficiary be the trust. So there's, again, issues with those kind of documents that have a contract, they'll be issued or um, the companies that custodian those accounts will distribute them to your beneficiaries. Stocks and mutual uh, funds, again, you'd want to set up an account uh, where those accounts will be held. And th there is a lot of times a letter of instruction where you just send to the custodian of those accounts and you instruct them on who the new name should be on the account. If you're transferring from, uh, if the creators of the trust are transferring into a revocable trust, it's a transaction that takes place quite often and there isn't any uh, tax to transfer it into the trust. A lot of people will move their cars, their mobile homes, their tiny homes. Those are all things that you would want to be moved into the trust. It is possible to do a beneficiary deed for any of these items. And if you pass, those items go directly to your beneficiary. Um, but uh, we, you wanna make sure that um, there can be other issues that come up with those transfers or there can be life changes. So you just want to be, those are things that you need to talk to your attorney about, but those are things quite often put in the trust. Uh, if you are putting them in the trust, it is notifying the DMV that you no longer want the uh, individual to own them, that you're changing the name on the trust and then you send a copy of that trust, certificate of trust, which is just a document that explains who created the trust, who, who, who can make changes to the trust and the purpose of it. So uh, personal property, a lot of times those things uh, just have a list or an assignment and um, in your trust documents, your attorneys will write that all the things on this list are to be put into the trust and distributed uh, based on my wishes upon my death. And a lot of times they're things that are very special and you wanna make sure they go to a person, a, speci a specific person 
So it's important to have those things spelled out on a list or it, that's part of the funding of the trust is identifying all those prop, all those items and who they go to. Um, you can, if you don't do that, then what's required is an affidavit uh, to transfer them. And then they too have to go through probate. Um, as long as the uh, assets that are held outside of the trust uh, are not more than, I believe it's 75,000 in the state of Arizona, then you aren't required to go through probate. But assets can add up and you might get caught uh, requiring probate even though you have a trust. So it's important to kind of know that list of items and make sure they're less than those, less than those values. But are you wondering, is there an easier way than having to contact all the owners of those accounts and changing the name? Uh, we have talked to a company, uh, their name is eState, and they have a process for um, assigning that involves a date stamp and uh, you listing the current registrations and uh, that they use the state of Nevada and the state of Nevada and then this e-state process, it allows you to quickly fund your trust. So that's an interesting concept. I think uh, people from eState will still tell you the best practice is to change the registration on the account. It makes it easier for your family who have to follow up and try to get those assets or, or um, access to those. It, it can, uh, we had an individual who had a trust but did not put their checking accounts in the trust. So they still had to go to the court, have someone named as the executor of the, of the estate so that they could set up in a checking account or have access to those. So it's things to really think about and make sure that you have in order for your family if in the event something happens. So as we said, eState uses this digital asset ledger they date stamp with an electronic signature when you have an asset. Because that's the other thing that you set up a trust. If you buy something new and you don't put that asset in the trust, then it's outside of the trust and will require probate. And we see that all the time. Uh, we had a client that was trying to get a higher interest rate. So they set up a new account and it was not in the trust and they were trying to get the higher interest rate. Well, they didn't put the name of the trust on that account. The account was over 75,000. So it would have required probate for just that one item. So it's important as our life changes, as we move assets around uh, to keep the trust updated. And this e-state has kind of a plan for how to make it easier for us. Um, if you're intrigued and want to know more, uh, there is, a, we have a complimentary education on it. And this individual is Sierra, and she's an attorney with eState, and she'll talk about their process.
Um, you can view a lot of this information on keystonestrategiesaz.com if you want to know more. And uh, I hope you gain some tidbits today and we'd love to give you a second opinion or to give you to review your assets or look at if you've got your, your trust funded or, or um, just give you a second opinion on it. Anyway, no obligation. Our, our email is team at keystonegroupaz.com. And our phone number is 623-299-9710. Uh, hope hope uh, this met your, your, piqued your interest and that you will take action because the best thing you can do is do that for your family. <laughs>